This is Rugger Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Golf Rugby Report, joined by Bruce McLean in this, the second edition of the show in 2017. And... As often happens, we've got we've got we try to talk about newsmakers in this show, and we try to talk to newsmakers and get some some input from them as well. Uh, what's funny is uh, when one of the people who's usually on the show becomes one of the newsmakers. That's kind of what's going on here. Um, Bruce, how you doing? You're the guy I'm actually interviewing as opposed to just talking to uh, this time around. Um, and we're talking about uh, conference stuff, but first of all, how's your new year been? How how are you getting back into the swing of things now? Doing laundry. New year's been good, yeah. yeah. Just threw in a, a load of my own jerseys, and um, we'll be starting practice tomorrow, two o'clock. And man, I'm pretty excited. Not a whole lot. Uh, not a whole lot rocking. So things are things are good. Watching midget basketball with my kids and <laughs> a lot of play stuff with my daughter, and so it's been it's been busy, good family stuff. Nothing nothing out of the ordinary. When you say starting practice, fifteens practice, I'm assuming. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> nobody uh, nobody in the East Coast plays fifteens anymore. So um, as much as I would love to have fifteens practice, we don't have anyone to play against. So we. Um, so we're going to be doing sevens. Okay. And that'll that we're going to go to Stony Brook sevens, AIC sevens, Army sevens, and UMass sevens. And that'll be what that'll yeah. be us that'll for, be the, for, for the for the short while. What happens with uh, you know th- these teams that concentrate on sevens in in the the second half of the season? And then you've got. Do they have everybody playing sevens? Do they have like a secondary fifteens team that looks for some games along the way? I think there's a combination of both. Yeah. Um, a lot of the teams do have developmental fifteens and top sides of sevens. Some teams do sevens only. Some teams, you know, they. I think most teams do sevens only now, but there are some developmental fifteens games. I will just do sevens and we'll practice 15s. I don't, you know, there'll be some 15s practices for different guys who aren't playing sevens, but it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a sevens focus. I kind of like the idea of having a little bit, you know, just dividing it up a little bit, playing a little bit of 15s, especially if you've recruited some new guys. And there's a lot of talk about the idea that if you've recruited people new to the game, maybe sevens is a great way to introduce it to them. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it, – and there's some argument that if you have your tight five guys playing sevens, that's good for them in a lot of ways. But it it, it would be kind of – you know, I don't know. I mean, a, a seven squad is 12, maybe 15 players. And if you've got a large roster, yeah, you field two or three sevens teams. I'm, I don't know. I just it, – it, it seems to me that maybe, maybe there's still a place for 15s in that, that – East Coast Sevens, East Coast uh, Spring World. It becomes difficult to to go to two different places and spend yeah. all day. You got you to, we don't have unlimited resources. We have very limited resources and you have to focus them and you have to focus your time and your energy 
because you still do need time for your family and your job and all that kind of stuff. And, and most of us, that's, that is also a priority in our lives, that our job is not rugby. That is very true, although it feels like a job, right? Um, all right. So, so that, that kind of leads into to what we want to talk about because the one of the big pieces of news uh, leading up to this show is the announced formation of the Liberty Conference in college rugby. Um, if you if you don't really if you're not a big college rugby person, um, and you're listening to the show, don't turn it off. Because there's stuff in there that that matters to you too. Whether you you're you're in a club conference or even a high school conference, it it kind of speaks to a, a bunch of things. Maybe I'll talk about that later. Um, but it matters one way or the other. What Bruce, you've done, you've helped spearhead this along with a, a few other people. Is the the majority of the Empire Conference, uh, the majority but not all of the ECRC conference. Plus some play, some teams from a few other places have come together to form what looks like a super conference, divided into three different divisions. Um, tell me how that came up, came about. Um, the reality is, I, I was getting tired of traveling long distances myself and spending weekends away from my family to play in the middle of nowhere. When you know we have a, a school right in the middle of New York that when you're in a densely populated area and you pay, you know, densely populated property tax, property uh, prices and one of the benefits is that you don't have to go a long way to do things. So, and, and it's one thing if you're going a long way and you're getting, you know, a ton of excitement and value out of it. I don't think that teams that were coming eight and nine hours and spending, you know, seven and eight thousand dollars to come and play us or Delaware or anything. We're not excited about that. I actually think Rugby East, um, and speaking to Tui Osborne anyway, seemed like, well, to him, that just saves him a lot of money. So, and Penn State didn't have a coach at the time, and so the, these, so there is a, a place that that maybe saves them a bit of money. And for me, what we're going to do is we'll save that money that we we're going to spend on overnight trips and we're going to go to St. Mary's and we're going to play St. Mary's. So that's what Iona is going to do and other teams are doing it for different reasons. But how it came about was I had texted six or seven people on a given day and said, Hey, would you guys be interested in forming a conference so that we can have games close to each other and play? And the overwhelming response was yes, but there were a couple of things where guys were like, well, I feel like I got to I gotta, uh, look after these guys. And this so what happened was it turned into three divisions. Like Stony Brook wanted to speak to Colgate because they feel close to them. And then that's what created that empire division. Those guys all kind of wanted to do it. And then the guys up in – the ECRC, they were looking at breaking up anyway, and 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 because they didn't want to play club teams against varsity teams, and that would lead into what. So essentially, what happened was that these teams got together and took no time at all 
and they wanted to have a conference. And it's really the conference is a loose amalgamation of divisions. It's not going to be any kind of a championship or anything because you can't have it. And, and we, we had discussed that is that while there's disparity within the conference, as you can see from some of the ECRC and Empire scores and some of the bowl game scores that you would, you could kind of extrapolate and say that perhaps there's a little bit of disparity and having people travel to unnecessary playoff games with, with almost guaranteed results is not good for anybody. So everybody's free to play whoever they want to play at any time. And they play their conference, their division games, and then hopefully they play a few inter interconference crossovers, but they're not required to do that in any way. And then we, the thing, the things that are required are, we wanted to join D1A, which I had spoken to Kevin Battle about, and got his blessing, one hundred percent, and that we were going to pay dues. We were not going to play in any spring playoffs for fifteens. We were going to be spring sevens teams, fall fifteens teams, and we were going to pay dues because I think that one of the things that Dan Payne had said is that we need people to pay dues. We need people to bring in money. And I, I had even suggested, and I still would suggest to this day, that a lot of the volunteers in America would really like if there was a pay one price, and, and now they want to double sip. So just say pay one price. It costs $1,500 to join D1A. So I put that in and then just say another $2,500 for SIP for each club. And then you send in the name, date of birth, and email address of each person that's on your roster. And that's a very simple thing to do. And there's, and there's database ways that that can be done that I actually spoke to Steven Ciano about this morning that the way that it's done now is, is inefficient. And, and, and yeah, anybody, would say that. anybody would say that. So if that happened where it was like a $4,000 thing, and now this, the teams that are talking now are not the only teams that we're talking to. We would like to have additional divisions. So it's a, you can bring a division into the conference. The conference, again, is just a loose amalgamation of divisions that are focused on spring sevens, fall 15s, are not going to play in the USA playoffs, have a gentleman's agreement that all players will be eligible, and they will be students at the school. It's a gentleman's agreement. And any any adjudications or any disputes between two teams, so say, for instance, you and I had a dispute between the two of us and we were coaching on opposition teams, it doesn't go to any kind of a disciplinary committee or anything like that. We just say, okay, you and I pick somebody that we trust and we – each tell our side of the story, that person makes the determination, and that's it. There is no appeal process. There's no nothing. As men, we will accept that, and, and we'll move on. It's not going to be any long, drawn-out things. This happens. You need an adjudication on it. Okay, and that's it. The other thing is all teams have agreed that they will report to the press promptly after games within five or five or ten minutes all scorers all scores oh, amen and a thing and then give access to to all press 
the uh, their Facebook pages or anything where they have pictures on so that all press can get stock photos of their team. So behave properly with the press. Don't hold, don't um, upload your videos to a public place and where the rest of the public can see it. It doesn't have to, it's not password protected, it's not anything. Upload it. And there's different places people do it, Vimeo and YouTube or whatever it is. And not everybody's going to be able to video every game. We understand that. And that's all that this is. It's a loose amalgamation of conferences. Okay, and so so a couple, a, a couple of I, questions. Sorry. All right, a couple of questions. Uh, why, how is this not really taking, say, the Empire Conference and just plopping it in and, and giving it a new name? Well, not everybody in the Empire Conference, they're, they actually split and, say, joined us in Delaware and Rutgers. And, uh, and then the other teams in, in Western New York were are playing each other more there and, and, and Albany who, you know, even, even with the AIC NEC thing, there's actually Albany. The whole conference was in John Durant, the coach of Albany's name. He, he was liable for everything. Everything was in his name and then he was out and then he was in, but he wanted to join the, uh, the upstate division, which, and that's one of the things that he wanted to do so that, that now, and that's kind of how that all came about, is that everything's in Johnny's name. Okay, so the, there are small but perhaps meaningful shifts in the alignment uh, that, that matter. Okay, so we, you know, f for example, you, you basically take the, the Empire Conference minus Kings Point Merchant Marine Academy, which uh, is a program that I think needs a little rebuilding time and is probably going to play D2 or something. Um, they were, but, but they were also approached. I, I didn't approach them, yeah. but they were also approached and they believe that it's in their best interest to do what they're doing now. And, that, and that's the whole point of everything is that it's in their best interest. You're not getting forced to do anything. These are all right. voluntary associations that, that's the important thing, is that it's a voluntary association of like-minded people who are going to say, we're not going to flout the rules. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do things. And in the event that something like that happens, we will adjudicate it like men. Right. All right. So the, ne the next question, what about teams that, you know, you've named some teams, uh, and, and I wrote something about this. But I didn't go and call every single team and say, "Are you really for sure in?" Um, mm. well, you know, and and then word comes back that say Syracuse hasn't hasn't completely bought in um, at the moment, or maybe doesn't want to be part of it. Um, so so how how firm is this list? Well, uh, Kevin Battle told me the same thing that he must have told you, saying Syracuse wasn't involved. So I said to Andrew Giraldi, "That is Syracuse involved." It doesn't matter. Syracuse doesn't have to be involved. And he, they said, absolutely, they're 100% firmly in. So that's... Well, if, if they look at the team, the teams available for them to play, what else are they going to do? It, again, it's up to them. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me yeah. if Syracuse joins or not. 
it matters it matters to Syracuse. I would love to have Syracuse in it. I think it would be great. I think Bob Wilson, their coach, is a great guy. And but whatever they want to do is appropriate to them. And one of the things that we had discussed in particular with them is that they like to play in the one double A playoffs. And my comment straight out was when Syracuse University is playing in Division One AA in anything as an elite sporting institution, it looks wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the smell test. It just looks wrong. And you are a Division One A school. And although you may not be as good as Cal or St. Mary's or Life or whatever, that you you don't go and play one double A, at least in my mind, you play division one A. Not everybody in all of division one sports is at the level of Clemson football and Alabama football. Not everybody is Duke and Kentucky basketball. Right. Most of them actually are pretty ordinary. And most of D one A as situated currently is pretty ordinary as you could see by 100-point losses to zeros, and there'll be a lot more of them, and which is fine. That doesn't mean that these teams aren't trying to do what they're supposed to do. So you can't say that, oh, you're doing this or that. It, it's These teams are trying to get better within, within their resources and doing the things the way they want to do it. And, and I think that that's, there's been conference realignments in college sports for the last three decades. Oh, certainly. And you could look at, you know, even the formation of the Big East, the Big East that you know growing up with Chris Mullen and Patrick Ewing and Pearl Washington is not the same Big East as is now. The Big Ten is not the same. The Pac-8 is not the same. It's bigger. It's more, you know, all these conferences have changed. And some of the power brokers within these conferences have changed over time. And that's just the way the world is going because of voluntary associations. And people want to do things with people that are benef- it's mutually beneficial. And when it stops being mutually beneficial, okay, you move on. And when you try to dictate things from above, which is kind of what happened, like people say the fracturing of college rugby and – I, it is a fracture of college rugby, but what really happened with what was that college? What was the, when they put in the D one colleges, and that fell apart when they got the guy from USA Football to run it? And, yeah. yeah, whatever it was called, and, and they called it the CPD, and then it was the CPL, yeah, and then whatever it was. Yeah, and the college Premier League, college, whatever it was, yeah. and then then that fell apart because it's top down. And, and, the, you, you know, oh, and the, 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 the thing about that also was that the initial vision of that was to have like eight teams, to, have, to, to have a very small take, – take the very, very, very best and, and basically an expanded playoff. It's not just a, a single elimination playoff but more of a league at a certain time. And then it just exploded to 30-something, which became something else entirely. And because they exploded it, you're right, we've got – We've got. I'm I'm looking at the California Conference scores from last year, and you see a bunch of scores like 61 to seven, 100 to 24. How about that for a score? 55 to 12, uh, 45 nothing. 
But you also see a couple of scores that are 21-20, 22-20, 26-13, something like that. So there are. I think you're right. You, there's. It's inevitably going to be some massive blowout in this so, game, especially in a game where when you give up a try, you then kick off to the other team. Okay. So yeah. And so in that in that instance, exactly what you're saying is great because that's a way. The reason that the teams in the East want to just finish with a bowl game is that we realize the futility and the nonsense of finishing on a playoff. Because if we're if we're to be honest with ourselves, and you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and stop looking out the window, that you if you look yourself in the mirror and say, we are not part of the top six or eight teams, none of us. And, you know, may, maybe some varsity cup teams in, in the East, but that's it. And they play, they have a thing that they play and they have that kind of a, a playoff and a championship. And there's nothing wrong with them doing that. That's where the CPD went wrong. And because they didn't have an eight team league. And that's where, like when the super league was working and working and when the politics of everybody needs a trophy and I want an East egg, I want an East egg, I want an East egg, I want to be involved. And then they realize that they can't be involved and they can't cope, that it all falls apart. And what happens is the bottom feeders try to drag the top people down. And now men's club rugby doesn't exist. Men's club rugby in the United States is dead. And it doesn't mean that there's not players and it's not, it's just that the whole premise of heavily competitive men's club rugby is dead. And it was dead because of politics within USA Rugby, period. And the same thing with the Pro League. And the same thing with what is RIM. So all of these things with these top-down top approaches don't work. It doesn't work. The Varsity Cup can thrive because it's private. The CRC thrives because it's private. And these conferences – and D1A – is, you know, it's working, but USA Rugby's broke. They're broke. Yeah. So what what we were offering is basically we'll get a bunch of teams who are going to pay money to help the game thrive and grow, and and then was told that's a good idea, and now, well, wait a second, everybody wants. Everybody wants a piece, and you got to do whatever. You don't have to do what anyone else wants. You're not required to do it. And in the case of, say, AIC and let's look, AIC and New England College, most of the teams in the Liberty Conference don't want to play. A they don't want to play against varsity teams. And that all said, I understand it. I don't – I'm actually playing AIC in the fall. We're going to the AIC 7s in the spring. And we're playing Army. And, you know, okay. St. I, I, okay, I got, I got a couple of questions on this. First of yeah. all, um, okay, so so your, your like-minded teams want to finish up with a bowl game in the fall. Totally makes sense. It's great. Love the bowl games. You know, I'm, I'm on record as loving the bowl games. I, I do announcing for the, the bowl games. Great, great, great. Uh, 
why do you want to be D1A? What's the point of that if you aren't going to be part of the D1A playoffs? Most of the D1A teams, or especially in the East, are not part of the playoffs anyway. And when they do have a team in the East that is part of the playoffs, they go to the bottom of the division to get them. So the, the teams that, that participate in the D1A playoffs tend to be bottom of the division teams. They're not, they're not conference champions that are, that are joining those D1A playoffs. D1A is begging people to be in the playoffs, as is D1AA. So these aren't desirable playoffs because everyone understands that sensible people understand that the best teams are the best teams. And when they are at that level, they'll get it. And even if you want to be at that level and say you're playing here, like Iona's going to St. Mary's. We know we're going to get smacked, but we're going. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking a crack at it. And because you got so, to be, so there, there's two things. Done. There's participating in the D1A playoffs, which is USA Rugby's thing. Um, right. and, and there's also saying you're D1A because, um, as, as I think you're saying, that's what your school is, or that's what your team should be. Take take away St. Mary's in life, and you know uh, there are a couple of like three or four teams after them who, you know, they have a good year. They they can think, yeah, we can beat those guys. Um, everybody else in T one A is is essentially equal. Um, yeah. There are a couple of there, there are a few really struggling teams, but for the most part, everybody else is just sort of. Right there in the middle, and and if you if Iona were in the the D one A playoffs this spring, it would mostly be because they needed a twelfth team, they needed a sixteenth team. Not that that Iona is bad, but Iona is one of a whole bunch of teams that were sort of in the middle of their conference. If Iona if Iona was in the playoffs, it would be a fraudulent playoff. We weren't a good enough team to be in the D one A playoffs. And if we were in, it was a gift. It was a gift because other people didn't want the gift. Exactly. They would be begging us, which is exactly what happens. And that's fine. The reason for being D1A is twofold, actually, is number one, to be a good citizen to USA Rugby and give them some money so that they can do some things that possibly would use the money to develop youth rugby, which is what the thing is. And if, if, if we are able to pay dues and they're able to funnel that toward youth rugby, and that means that we'll have more and better players that are going to be populating the college teams, and it makes it a lot easier to coach. Okay? Terrific. That, to me, makes sense. To spend money or to give teams money to travel to games where you know the result and you know it where it's 50-plus points, hey, look, they're doing it, and that's fine. I don't disagree with it. That's how they wanted to spend the money. I don't care how they spend the money, but we're saying we'll do this. We're not participating in your playoffs. So we're not even going to bother you about it. We're not going to sit there. We're not going to bug you. We're going to play our thing. We're going to finish on bowls. They've generally treated what we do as important. So we would like you to continue to treat what we're doing here as important. The weather here is conducive to Fall 15s. It allows us to play a full schedule without having massive winter issues. This has been a mild winter. 
The last two have been brutal. The last three have been brutal. Yeah, that's true. And I'm able to get in and out. This has been a particularly mild winter so far. But if it starts snowing in February or starts snowing in March, you can't do anything unless you have a, a turf field. And we don't, most of us don't have domed facilities. Some of us do. Most of us don't have an, an ability to get out onto a grass field in, if the weather is dodgy. And some of us do. But that leads to many cancellations and a lot of problems that, that go on. All those problems are alleviated by playing in the fall. But that doesn't mean we're not placing a value judgment on the teams that play in the spring. Because that's what suits them. In many cases, they play in their college soccer stadium. And college soccer is a fall sport. So they, for them, that works. And again, it's a free association. Do what works for you. And the game will grow. These are sub-elite. 95% of them, 99% of them are sub-elite players. To, 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 to your point, uh, you look at the Rugby East this year, the, the, and, and you look down the, the list of the standings. Penn State won the Rugby East. Uh, they're not going to be in D1A playoffs. They're going to Varsity Cup. Army, number two, they're going to the Varsity Cup. Wheeling Jesuit, third place team. Actually, I actually have no idea what they're doing. You know what they're doing? Uh, uh, <laughs> Wheeling officially, Wheeling officially had a forfeit to us, so Cutsdown okay. would have been third. All right, so, so Wheeling had to forfeit to I don't know. So they dropped down below Cutsdown. Cutsdown is a sevens team all the way in the spring. So the idea is that your top three teams in in Rugby East are mm-hmm. they're they're not going to be in D one A. So so the, to your point about the idea of when you say. A large number of teams are not in that that playoff. That is true. Then you look down at the other D1A uh, conference that plays in the fall, Big Ten. Indiana's going to the Varsity Cup. And then there's a huge drop-off between Indiana and everybody else. Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. I don't know. I mean, Michigan's a sevens team. I, I, I actually have no idea what – I haven't asked Ohio State what they're going to do. I think Ohio State is concentrating on sevens. It's like they're not going to be there. If you, if you want the highest-ranked team out of those conferences that you know is going to show up and play 15s, I, don't, I, I mean, I really don't know if you'd get anybody. Maybe from the Rugby East, you might get Buffalo. They might do it. Um, and and from the Big Ten, maybe you get Wisconsin or like Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, teams the, the, who have a losing record, as do Buffalo. So that that the evidence backs up what you're saying on that. That it it it's not happening along that. We all know that really what the playoffs should be is kind of like more akin to what the women's elite does. Is you know that BYU, Cal, Life, and St. Mary's are your top four. And that there's a group of other teams uh, like Lindenwood, Central Washington, uh, Davenport, uh, Penn State, or you know, and a couple of others that might challenge to bubble up there. And that, well, if you wanted a playoff, you could have that. We all know that that's what's going on. We don't need to have, uh, you know, so, some of these other teams forced necessarily to participate for them to have a good fulfilling season and enjoy themselves and and what happens is that it becomes a political process of who doesn't have to play saint mary's or life in the first (laughs) round yeah and and 
and and that cheapens the playoffs too, because it makes it makes it a joke. Because it then it then it's about who knows who. The bottom line is you're not good enough. So if you're worried about who you're playing, then you're not good enough to win. All right, and that's the, it. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, we go to the ECRC. This is and what's happened here. Uh, um, eight teams are in these ECRC. The ECRC appears to have been uh, disbanded, and we've got. Um, Six of them going into the Liberty. Two teams left out, AIC and New England College. Now, um, I don't know really actually about New England College. Uh, I suspect it's somewhat similar. But AIC is possibly uh, the most uh, ethnically mixed team uh, in American rugby, uh, perhaps challenged by Notre Dame College. A lot of African-American players on that team. Uh, a lot of very very good African American players on the team, and 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 great great young men, uh, fun to talk to. Is it? Does it look bad when basically the the black team in the conference gets excluded? I think it looks bad when somebody says that that's that's the the rationale for it. And, and, and that's just not the rationale is completely AIC is whiter than every team in the conference, except Fairfield in terms of the demographics of the school, as is new England college. They're 64 and 64% white Fairfield 69. Everybody else in that conference is under 60% white. So as far as ethnically diverse schools, they are not. They are, they are not as ethnically diverse, which, again, it doesn't matter. The whole premise of this had nothing to do with black, white, green, purple, or yellow. This had to do with varsity versus non-varsity. That was it. The, player, the teams in the ECRC didn't want to play varsity teams with their club players, and that's all it came down to. It had nothing else to do with it. And, you know, from my spot as the guy who spearheaded the one conference called one, con- one, one text that turned that blew up pretty heavily within, you know, pretty much a 24-hour period. And that, you know, I happened to be playing the blackest school, quote-unquote. But you don't look at it as what color the guys on the team are. You look at it, they're a good team. We want to play them. That's it. That was, but that's me. And I understand not wanting to play varsity schools when you're a club sport. What happens if someone gets hurt? And USA Rugby, if they wanted to try to force that issue, then what happens if someone gets hurt? A broke organization is now saying, well, you have to play this team. Like, they don't make Cal play different teams. They don't make Life and Arkansas State have to play different teams because they want to play them. Like, and it may mean that there's, there's a possibility that they would have to be a D1A independent. Or there's 400 universities up in in the new england area i'm sure that you can find a few to play you and be your conference 
And it's not like these games were not well, – these were not – these were one-sided games for the most part. These weren't, weren't – these weren't very close, well-fought, you know, heavy battles. They were one-sided games that did involve injuries, not injuries due to foul play or anything like that. Injuries due to disparity of, of, of uh, commitment and conditioning. And that's what they wanted to do. And it had zero to do with race. It has zero to do with race. And when that came out, I actually was upset because people were texting and calling me. But I had squared it up with Tal. Tal said it was misconstrued. He said it could look wrong. But he was certainly not saying that this was a race issue. And I believe him. Well, we we do run into an issue, uh, you know, where, you know, the the result of something, you know, uh, a a group gets excluded, and um, because of that, it comes up. Um, oh. I don't. I don't. I you know personally, I haven't seen. Uh, although I haven't been on the field, I haven't seen uh, AIC treated any differently. Um, and I and I think welcomed as as a team of 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 you know some obvious quality. The the big thing is that there are there are two things here. One is the fact that we do have club teams playing against varsity or quasi varsity teams, and at it at some point there becomes a a gap. Uh, you know, th- th- there's there's a gap there. Um, that can be bridged sometimes because you have a large school full of a lot of athletes who get interested in something. University of Indiana would be an example. Um, it can be bridged with money if there's a very strong booster uh, uh, element to your your club team. But at the same time, what we're also running into is varsity rugby programs that really aren't funded the way you think they are. Not you, Bruce, but because you actually talk to people, but most people would think it's a varsity program, so what's the problem? The problem is that their travel budget is still their travel budget, and they still, they, they come through and say, you know, uh, we're, we're now in a situation where we have to play uh, you know, teams further afield, and somebody says, you know, no, I, I, I don't think you, you do do that. Um, I think you make do with what you have. You look at some, uh, let's look at Central Washington University, which is a varsity program, right? Uh, Provides scholarships, pays their coach. All of that stuff seems like, you know, wow, well, they're they're fully funded. And, And I guess they're fully funded, but they don't have a conference to play in. And if you look at their schedule, they have a trip to to the Midwest in February. And they go to the the CRC qualifier in Las Vegas, but then they're playing Valley uh, Rugby Club, which is a local one in Seattle. Uh, they're playing in Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is not that far. Uh, then they're playing home games against a Tacoma club. They're well, BYU comes to see them. They play University uh, University of Victoria in British Columbia. My point being, they're pretty much playing local. They're being told find opponents locally. The only other road trip they take is they go see BYU in March. Um, that's because they have a limited budget. 
And AIC is going to have a limited budget. So what's tough for AIC is their coach goes into the athletic department, and the athletic department, they really like the rugby programs. They're really supportive of it. But they go in and say, okay, um, we're in a situation now. It seems logical that we join the Rugby East. They say, okay, well, who do you play? Well, we play Army. Okay, that's not that far. Uh, Penn State, well, that's a lot further. Wheeling Jesuit, that's in West Virginia. Cuts down, well, that's kind of far. Um, Iona's close, but, you know, well, Iona's not in it anymore, sorry. But then you're looking at, like, St. Bonaventure, Buffalo, University of West Virginia. That is, that's a long road trip almost, you know, like every other week for the, that team when they were in a conference where, uh, you know, they're playing like Albany and BC and UConn and everybody's within an hour drive. So that's yeah. going to be, it's going to be tough for them. It, it, it is. It's, it's, it's a problem on varsity programs. We hear the word, that big V word and another, uh, Another co-host, co-contributor to this show, Pat Clifton, is a varsity coach at Lindenwood Belleville. Uh, I'll tell you right now, he's not making uh, a lot of money, and he doesn't have a lot of money. It's not like they get on an airplane and just fly over to Southern California anytime they feel like it. Yeah, and look, everybody has their trials and tribulations, and I, you know, you would say as. People, if, if everybody in the world were to take all their problems and chuck them in the middle and then take something back, you'd be lucky to get your own back. You know, there's people in the world who would, you know, their, your, your nightmare is their dream situation. You know, like there's poor people and people who are destitute and they can't, you know, they're you know, working in a field and then nomads and things like that. So... Everybody has their problems. And part of it is when you're a varsity program, you do have, in in general, a recruitment budget that goes and, well, they may have to look and say, well, maybe some of that recruitment budget has to get spent on traveling and traveling the games. And, you know, row with the oars you have. But if it's about bringing kids to the school, well, you can't force people to have to play you. Like I said, it doesn't bother me. My problem, my thing with rugby is I just didn't feel like traveling anymore. I wanted to go home and be with my kids. That's it. And that was my thing. I wanted. To, it's a lot easier to go to Fordham 10 minutes down the road than it is to go to Buffalo. And that was it. And the game's about the same. So why, why would we not do that? And that's the way I look at it. So that was that was my thing. We are in a populous area. There's teams in the Midwest that are in places where it's cheap to live, but you're gonna have to spend money on travel. Yeah. Because you don't have anyone around you. And that's fine. And Central Washington doesn't have anyone to play. So they found a way to play teams. And my suggestion, and I think, is to be a D1A independent. And there's plenty of teams that you can play, and there are they, though you. I don't think it's correct, nor do I think it's right, nor do I think it's probably not even legal, and I definitely don't think it's moral to force people to have a voluntary relationship. You shouldn't be able to force them. You have to do this. 
especially when they're two different levels, regardless of what anyone says, to say varsity and club are the same thing, they're not. You could, there are club teams like St. Mary's. There are club teams that are really working hard and are willing to play ball. My club team, we have a $3,000 budget all in. We're willing to play varsity teams. But I'm fortunate that I have a job where I have flexibility. And I'm able to dedicate a lot of time to coaching. And I have a lot of friends that are in a very similar situation and are able to help us. So, and we're very, very fortunate to have that. But that's not the case for most teams. The case for most teams, the guy's working a full-time job, has a family, and is coaching, and is dealing with administrative stuff. And as, I, as you said this morning, I'm washing jerseys. That's what I'm doing. That's the coach's job. It's not that sexy. And in a varsity program, it's a little bit different. And that you got to take a look and prioritizing how are you going to spend your money. Or say we're a club program, but that's not what they want to do. And I get that. So part of going that route, there's a responsibility of what are we going to do? Boston College doesn't owe AIC anything. Not that AIC is even asked. That that was never even they, – they don't – none of those teams owe anything to each other. None of them. If they don't want to play anymore, then they don't want to play anymore. And that's the, and that's really the way it goes. And it has nothing to do with anything other than that. And agree or disagree, that's what it is. All these teams want to do, and there's a lot more of them. These are just the ones that are public now. All these teams want to do is pay USA Rugby some money, join D1A, not really participate in anything they spend money on, finish with a bowl game if they'd like to, play fall 15s, play spring 7s, possibly participate in the USA 7s championship, maybe not, but possibly, and then hopefully with all this money that they're sending to USA, and I would suggest again, have a one-pay sip and make it four grand, who cares? It's $4,000. We have a $3,000 budget. So we're already $1,000 down on my plan. So you do that, then they have some money. If a bunch of teams is 50 or 60 teams in the East to do it, okay. They just got $240,000. What would I suggest that they try to do is helping everybody out? Well, I would probably suggest giving people access, you know, the coaches access to maybe the rugby site or rugbycoachingdrills.com or Kevin Battles Rugby PhD or something as where they can have a resource where they can get some coaching resources. Because it's not like it used to be where you had to go to the coaching school to get the information because there was total rugby, think rugby, focus on rugby by Carwin James, and um, there was the Lions Speak, which was about the 71 Lions. Yep. And you really didn't have anything else. There weren't many other books, and that was your only resources, and you had to go overseas to get that book. There was no Amazon. There was nothing. So those things, So the information was at a premium, and you had to go to coaching clinics to get it. Now, the information is online for free. You can go to my YouTube channel. I have a YouTube channel. Go to the playlists. 
and you'll see a ton of interesting things about defense. There's an entire Iran's academy. There's an entire uh, coaching clinic on attack given by Dave Rennie. There's an entire coaching clinic on defense given by Wayne Smith. There's an entire contact area and attack segment given by Tanu Umaga. And I'm not talking an hour. I'm talking six and seven hours each. There's all kinds of things online that you can get. There's contact area with Steve Hansen, Wayne Smith on how to tackle. There's all kinds of things that you can get for free. But if they were to offer like a couple of things that maybe, you know, if there's 100 teams or say there's 100 teams in D1A, that they say we're going to – and all of American rugby, let's put it say, hey, we're going to get an en masse thing to the rugby site. Somebody call Brendan Radcliffe. He's the owner. And say, hey, we'd like to have a deal where we give all our teams. I'm sure that if there's a thousand clubs that want it, I'm, I, I bet that if we were to pay a hundred grand, he would give it to us. Because nobody's going to all use it at the same time, right? And so it it, it becomes nothing. And and you know, as as somebody who runs a website, if you had coaching content up and somebody said, and you basically have the information there. And it's password protected. And somebody said, "Hey, Alex, we'll give you a hundred grand, and we're gonna have we're just gonna give the access to these guys." You know that eighty percent are not gonna use it anyway, right? And so you're basically getting a hundred grand, and they're really getting quality service, something that is valuable to them, and something that you can use. It's an excellent resource, and constantly updating itself. And as I, I would mention, another one. Rugby League Coaching Manual, rlcm.com.au, and I know that it's Rugby League, but if you wanted to get a website with fantastic information, you would be thrilled at everything you got there. I speak to Phil Bailey probably twice a week, and he and I are on that, and I'm telling you, what a treasure trove, and he was shocked when I introduced him to it, and he was like, this is the most cutting-edge stuff that anyone is doing. I can't even believe that the information that they have is on this. And it's fantastic. So there are places you don't need to go learn anything at a quote-unquote conference. Like if I were to have that conference down in Baltimore, I would have probably not flown in 50 people to speak for short periods of time. I probably would have called... Graham Henry or Wayne Smith and said, hey, I'll give you 10 grand. You want to talk? Yeah. Give an attack day and a defense day. And I probably would have called the strength coach at the University of Maryland and said, come on up and give a strength conditioning right, segment. Exactly. You know? yeah. Like, that's what I would have done. But but that's that's me. And, and I'm not saying that what I would do is right or what I would do is wrong. Everybody had a great time. And it was great when they all met each other. And I think that they, they were happy and not happy at some of the presentations, but everybody had a great time. And while I feel, I definitely feel for what happened with AIC and what happened with, with NEC in this particular situation, but it was inevitable anyway, and it has nothing to do with the Liberty Conference. And, you know, and I, for one, personally went out and said, well, I'll play you. I will play you. And, that, you know, and I so I brought it out with AIC that we will play them. And we will try to, in doing it in January, 
what the rationale was, this gives everybody eight months or nine months to get a landing spot. And it's not like you're in a place where you're so ice. Pat's in a place where he's isolated. Yeah. So it's very difficult. Well, the, you yeah. know, the, 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 these isolated guys are running into this issue. This is an issue we talked about, um, you know, some time ago as well about dealing with with these conferences. But the the isolated programs are starting to find each other. I mean, Notre Dame College in Cleveland is isolated. I mean, Cleveland doesn't seem like it should be isolating, though. Uh, but it's all about... You know, you've got your Midwest, but the Midwest is affected by the Big Ten, uh, where a lot of teams want to stay in the Big Ten and, and play Big Ten, and it seems to make sense. It's like, okay, fine. Um, but what it does is makes it a little bit of a struggle for teams in the Midwest. But eventually, they're going to look around and realize that Davenport and uh, Lindenwood and Lindenwood-Belleville and... Um, Notre Dame College are all moderately close to each other, and maybe we're going to see something come out of that. And maybe we'll see. We're always going to see like the outlier, the team that, for example, you know, Bowling Green is a team that is very good, um, successful, wins games but doesn't really want to change their conference. They like where they are. Um, and, and and it's kind of a source of ire for a few people to say, well, Bowling Green's not moving. It's like, well, they don't have to. You know, m- maybe maybe you can complain about it, but they don't have to. They can do whatever they want. Um, and we're going to see that all the time. Uh, and and we're still in this, growth, this uh, growing pain scenario because it was... <laughs> I think it was like um that'd be like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, I wrote an article for the now uh defunct rugby magazine. The article was who's gonna be the next BYU? Basically, who is gonna be the next college team that's going to challenge uh the 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 dominance of Cal. And we talked about St. Mary's, but at the time Life University had not even started their undergraduate team, but we talked about them and said the one that nobody's talking about is uh, is Life University uh, because they're going to be good the minute they start their undergraduate team. So we were talking about two or three teams. Now we've got a lot more who are pretty strong, maybe not to the level of Cal or BYU, but are pretty strong. That we could we could put in that you know we could discuss in that conversation, that's good. But Bruce, it, it you know it, it's difficult. It's it, we're running into this difficulty of talking about all college teams as if they're varsity level. When even if they play really well, they're not because of the factors you mentioned. The fact that that these coaches are volunteers that they're not. Um, they're not they're not paid at all, or they're paid a very small amount of money, and they have other things they need to do. Um, uh, and we have to be realistic about that. And it's a way it's a way different. The landscape is constantly changing, as you said. Like Notre Dame and Notre Dame College has been in talks with teams in Rugby East, and they certainly may join Rugby East. 
and but had been in talks with teams in the West of Rugby East to form another conference for ages. So this conference has changed. We joined Rugby East. Rugby East had three teams. It was Army, Penn State, and Kutztown. And that was it. And, and Wheeling was going to come back into the, play, into the play. Army was not even – they still weren't even back on campus yet. And so this, is, this was their first foray back being on campus after they had gotten disbanded for a little while. So it, that's how Rugby East formed. And then Buffalo and Bonaventure came in shortly after Iona. And as soon as Delaware came back, they came back in. And it was just, that's how it happened. And it morphed, and then it grew into something that now there is interest from, and there has been for ages, interest for like Wheeling and Notre Dame College and Bonaventure and Buffalo and to, to possibly work with Notre, with, with um, a couple of teams in that area. They had discussed Bowling Green, and that didn't work out in Cincinnati and so there's been talks about that, and there's also talks about Notre Dame College and Davenport and a couple of other teams from the west of Rugby East doing something too. So I don't think that's going to happen now that the eastern part of Rugby East has been virtually eliminated, with the exception of Army, so who has the ability to travel west and play two games in a weekend against certain opponents that aren't necessarily strong enough to be able to cope with them. So that allows, that lessens up a lot of travel. Now, Iona and Delaware wouldn't be able to do that. So those kind of things just make, it just changes the landscape. Notre Dame College lost to St. Bonaventure last year, 2015. And this year was arguably the best team in the Eastern United States. They didn't. They didn't play Penn State, so we don't know. But it was they're pretty ar- good. <laughs> they're pretty right, good. So Arguably, they're the best team. So whether or not it's Penn State or Notre Dame College, it, you don't know who it is. But it's probably one of them. In in the fall playing, life would be the best. But that's what. That's all I'm saying is that all these things change, and this is one of the things that in this instance changed. And it is. It is a shame that some of the stuff but there are teams that have expressed interest in a division in 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 the liberty conference like a providence like a um unh who who jeremy trees formerly coached new england college and and there were a couple other teams in there too that i I don't want to mention just because i can't at this at this point but those are teams that can that are in New England, that can, they're all in New England, by the way, that can play AIC and NEC. And if they may want to have a conference that says, F the Liberty Conference, we're going to play in this conference. We're going to have our own conference. And then they can, then they can play other independent shooter offshoot games. And like what we're doing. And, and it, it, it's never going to be perfect because we don't have a, a, a game that's not somewhat in flux. The game is somewhat yeah. in flux. And, at all and, I, and it's easy to forget that the, ga- the college game and the college conference system is somewhat in flux all over the country in all, in all kinds of different sports. Um, we, we make the mistake of thinking that, you know, people say we want um, 
the the word from the varsity cup is iconic they keep talking about that stuff we want those iconic schools and those iconic names um which they don't actually because university of oregon never shows up uh but the those iconic things are few and far between big 10 i can see how that makes sense in uh rugby even though the top half and the bottom half are very very much separated in terms of quality the pac 12 type schools which they don't have a full pac 12 um i can see how that works and the and the ivy league even though that has its issues i can see how that sort of works but it doesn't work for any other stuff and if you go and look at soccer and if you go and look at hockey you'll find that there are very very different uh uh conferences based on geography based on like-minded schools and programs based on competitive balance uh and based on and based on club and varsity yes there are excellent club teams excellent club lacrosse teams and there are varsity lacrosse teams and they really don't cross pollinate and i would venture to say that possibly outside of rugby and crew crew not being a sport that involves physical confrontation that so rugby is the only sport i would think where varsity and non-varsity teams participate against each other in a collision game. I would say that's true. I mean, the only other real options would be uh, football, hockey, and wrestling? Football, hockey, wrestling, lacrosse to one extent. Yeah, all right. Um, Men's lacrosse, anyway. But um, so that all said, and that's why these teams chose not to play AIC and NEC. And actually, they they didn't want to play Albany either because Albany was losing games by triple digits many times, even to the bottom team in the in the bracket. So it wasn't there were disparity things too and and, and you know as when I had spoken to Rob for quite a while and Rob Gary from, from, uh, from AIC. AIC yeah. And I was like, so you're going to play Iona army, probably UMass because UMass is right down the road from them. And I was like, well, I had a couple teams in and that's a harder schedule than you played anyway last year, <laughs> you know, the other year. So it's just, it's just that, you know, you're not going to get to play UConn or Fairfield or something like that. But that's that doesn't help UConn, Fairfield, or you. And and that's and that's just the reality of it. And you don't want to you don't want to do things that aren't beneficial or a positive experience for you. Because like I look at memorable games throughout coaching and playing over the last 35 years, and some of the most memorable games are losses. Not for any other reason except the challenge was great, the competition was great, the game was great, we wound up on the wrong end of it, but that doesn't make it any less memorable or any less special. And then the wins that were great and 
were always games that were a massive challenge, a game that where the teams were evenly matched. It wasn't anything other than that. And I think that that's what you got to look for. And it's hard because it ebbs and flows. And you're not married to anything. And, and even like the MAC conference, which is what Iona, Iona participates in, M-A-A-C, as opposed to the Bowling Green conference, it's M-A-C. It's M-A-A-C. They have satellite teams for different sports. So, like, Iona doesn't necessarily participate in all of the varsity sports that the MAC has, nor does anybody, but they have satellite teams that play in that conference within that sport. So, well, you know, my 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 son. Those many of you know, my son goes to RPI, um, and Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute is a Division three school in every sport except for hockey, and in hockey they're a Division one school. Um, not having a very good season this year, so please don't look up their results. Uh, but they play, um, they play a, a they play most of the Ivy League schools in their conference, but they don't play all of them. Because not all of them want to be in it, and and they they play a bunch of other teams, and 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 it's like, uh, you know, that uh, that kind of stuff is like that happens all over the place, and I don't oh. think people understand when they say we have to emulate our local conference. Very few sports do that, um, all the way down the line, and even I mean, I'm sure you know I, I know the Pac-12 doesn't really do that with everything and they, they invite some other teams in for a couple of sports stuff like that and um we've got to accept that you know a little bit of conference loyalty or or a nod to rivalries is great but you also have to be smart about what what's right for the rugby well and and the other thing is is if you look at so when the ncaa changed its rule it, it used to be that you didn't have to have, and part of the reason the Big East broke up or changed dramatically was that if you had like Georgetown and, and St. John's and Fordham and a lot of teams had, not that Fordham was in the Big East, but they had Division Three football and Division One basketball. And the NCAA changed the rule that you had to have Division One football follow Division One basketball. If you had a Division One team in one of the major sports, you had to have a Division One team in the other one and all of them. So what happened was all those teams had to go to D1 AA. So they wound up in conferences very similar to the Ivy League or the Patriot League. And that's, they're not really D1. It was, it's almost like they're doing it to satisfy an NCAA requirement. Again, something that a top-down approach doesn't necessarily work right for everybody's situation. But the NCAA is essentially legalized slavery, and the fact that they don't pay these guys and they pay these coaches, allow them to cheat, leave, go to another paying job, is almost despicable and disgraceful. But that's a that's another uh, that's another conversation in, in, in for another time. Yeah. We could go on about the hypocrisy that flows in the NCAA, but, but there's a massive amount of hypocrisy there in terms of um, how, they, how they turn their nose up at 
money making on one side and then they're all about it on another side and uh um they're all about know, it on all yeah, sides yeah. they turn their nose up at it well well as long as they they're the ones making it yeah so you know uh the other thing is that, you know if you look at uh varsity versus club here uh just because you go to to a club program or a a, a lesser known college program doesn't mean you can't become a great and accomplished rugby player. Uh, you know, the, the, the men's national team is, and I think always will be populated in part by players who come from relatively modest collegiate backgrounds. Uh, Wisconsin Whitewater is a, is a, a great, they're the division two national champions. It's a great program for a division two program, but they've, they've produced Eagles. And, um, you know, West Point, which is a varsity program to produce Eagles, and Cal, of course. But uh, th- these these programs have also produced Eagles. Um, University of Montana. So you can still it, – it's not like concentrating on just saying, you know, we're going to be club and like clubs are going to play clubs. Um, if you want to be great in rugby, just just go and do that. You can still do that. Yeah, hey, look, if you want to be great, go play life at life and beat them. Beat them. Yeah. Go play St. Mary's at St. Mary's and beat them. Don't talk about it. Go and do it. Then you have something to say. But if you can't do it, then stop saying anything. Like, go and beat, go, go to Cal and play Cal and beat Cal at Cal. They don't have to go to you. You don't bring anything to their table. I think we have to try to work together, but... It is very important that all of the top-down approaches, especially in the last 10 years, from USA Rugby, have been an abject disaster. From the dilution of the college premier division, that fractured rugby completely, but basically caused a good thing, because now the teams in the East are saying we're playing in the fall. And that's good, but they're not trying to say that the spring is not legitimate. The spring is legitimate. And those teams are doing what they always did. We just changed a little bit. Yeah, I, th- you know, I think ultimately, and, and we do have to wrap up, we're going to have a, a, a special section on, on a couple of uh, um, breakout players uh, and, and uh, talking a little bit about, on the college side, All-Americans in a moment, a little bit of audio for you. But... The part of the idea was that uh, for the longest time you had uh, programs and coaches who were just sort of really caught up in the idea of winning a national championship or making the playoffs so they could point and say we made the playoffs or, or we made this, you know, we, we, we were in the, the playoffs for this region, this union, this local area union, territorial union. I think, I think fewer are caught up in that now. Even though the the quality of the of rugby college rugby is probably better on the on the second tier is probably better uh, and and I think that it's because they 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 become whatever happened the top down thing you know where they were told you have to have this number of conference games you have to have this number of of uh you know you have to have this number of conference games so you so you can play in the playoffs. 
They looked around and said, well, this, the, if we get a good conference, we're going to be pretty happy with that. And the kids are going to be pretty happy with that. And all those other factors, how much time, you know, schoolwork, traffic, money, all those things force you to prioritize and say what matters to us. And what matters to you in the end is I want my team to play rugby. I want it to be fun. I want it to be challenging. I want it to be competitive. I want it to be predictable in the sense that there's a game on Saturday. I, look, USA, that's exactly it. USA Rugby holds over two things, hold over national championships and refs. You know, and the reality is they're broke. They're bloated. They're broke. But there's going to be a complaint about a bunch of teams that are completely irrelevant in the grand scheme of things playing each other. Give me a break. Yep. All right, we'll be right back with uh, – uh, we're on Rugby Matrix America, brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. I'm Alex Goff. This is Bruce McClain. We're talking about the Liberty Conference. We'll be right back. We're going to uh, get some audio about the uh, about the All-Americans in the U-20s and uh, uh, talk a little bit about what those college guys have been do- up to over the New Year break. Hey guys, so this is Alex Goff with Rugged Matrix America. This section, actually the whole show is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy, but we're here talking with the uh, collegiate and junior All-American coaches. So Gavin Hickey, the collegiate All-American coach, uh, and J.D. Stevenson, the USA U-20s or junior All-American coach. Talk to them a little bit about uh, recent assemblies and, and, and some of their impressions. And, and, and Gavin, um, your overall impression about uh, how the players performed. I was impressed. To be honest. I was impressed with the work rate of, of, of both sets of players. Um, but but that'd be the least, most, least important thing for where we are in our calendar right now, mm-hmm. from our perspective. But <clears throat> overall, I'm I'm extremely pleased um, with, you know, I said it before when we went to Australia, and it's something that we work on. And it's hard to quantify as a coach staff, but how quickly guys gel and how quickly they just put their head down and work together. Um, again, it's been an extremely pleasing thing for the people of America. I mean, we've had three training sessions uh, over the last two days, and then we've just played three games. So it's, um, it's a challenge, and the boys rose that challenge very, very well. And uh, it's been extremely pleasing. Do you think that coaches and players and teams and maybe even fans are, are realistic about what it takes to be an All-American? We have to have a more realistic understanding of where we are as yeah. individual colleges and, um, you know, where our players stand in a national pecking order. Some coaches, some teams like, 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 like Dartmouth do a little bit. We play in a league where, uh, at the moment, we're the strongest team. Now, that doesn't mean that we have the best players in the country because we're in the Ivy League. And, and I just, as gently as I can, I want to let every college coach know in the country that perhaps they're not the best team, you know, perhaps yeah. they, they don't have the best players, and um, okay. we have all the dominant players from all the teams, yeah. um, and they're dominant in their leagues, that does not mean that they're going to be dominant at international level, yeah. and okay. that's just, and it's very tough for a coach to appreciate that, and I understand that, but that's just where there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a breakdown in communication, I think. J.D. Stevenson, now you had an assembly with U-20s. You had a, a U-19 team picked that, that split a series with Canada U-19s. It uh, seems like it's all set up um, for your Can-Am series U-20 uh, to qualify for the World Junior Trophy. Um, but I'm thinking that you haven't 
finished scouting for players. Uh, you don't have it all set yet. Yes, I mean this is just a wider training squad. So these are the guys that we will um, look to look to pull from moving forward. I think that um, you've got to have um, consistency and transparency within our process, and this is something that we've preached to um, the players um, and to their to their program coaches alike. So, um, kind of due to that fact, we we um, wanted to make sure that that they had an understanding of of where they where they kind of. Uh, where they fit in, um, you know, moving forward. Obviously, we've had some guys that were injured um, throughout the whole fall process. Yeah. Um, we had some guys who um, that were able to come to a couple of days of an ID camp, um, but weren't able to be in the U20s. You know, um, you know, fortunate that we have, uh, um, you know, some Callan, some St Mary guys there that are mm. that are, you know, you know, that are that are there. They're definitely on our on our radar. Um, but you know, we're coming back off injury, and um, you know, we're unavailable due to the the timing of the ID camps. But um, you know, you, you still it's still a consistent validation process, and I think that okay. that's a big emphasis point for you know for for guys that are still out there and may have missed the boat. Obviously, we want to ensure that um, you know we want to ensure that we're we're doing the right things. Um, by the guys who have came through the process, but we don't want to shut the door on guys who could potentially be coming in as well. So right. um, it is still, it is still, you know, somewhat open. We just ask that, um, you know, we just ask that we that to, to, to essentially push somebody out else out of the wider training squad. Obviously, we need to, you know, be able to validate that with, you know, with some, you know, some coach reviews, some some character reviews, and then, you know, the, the big part is the footage piece, you know, as well. So. Um, it's something that we found that's been tough in the process that, um, you know, it's it's a bit of a gamble just to bank on word of mouth. I think that, right. um, you know, hopefully in, in this digital age, you know, it's, you know, that we can get some, some access to some, um, doesn't need to be overly flash, but just some, uh, some accessible footage, so to speak. Sure. And, um, yeah, and, you know, and then kind of moving forward, I hope that, um, you know, for collegiate guys, you know, high school guys, that um, that they share over the footage to us so that we can look to um, unearth some, some other players between kind of now and uh, now and June. But, um, no, it's obviously, a, you know, a long road ahead. And um, in terms of, you know, our outcomes for camp, um, you know, it was achieved. Um, that was to, you know, give, give guys, um, you know, a, a room to... Just use these sessions as a developmental piece, and um, you know, see how they progress as the as the weekend went on. All right, there. So maybe an overlying theme uh, from this entire show: uh, be realistic, uh, come up with some evidence, come up with some understanding. So if you're if you want to be picked on a team, get some good footage going. Uh, talk to your coaches, get some good recommendations, but also be realistic about what the level of uh, competition is. That's what Gavin Hickey was saying. If you're in an easy conference, maybe you're not being tested enough. So that's something to look at. And overall, college rugby, let's be realistic about how it's put together. Is it really all that important to have 16 24, 32 teams in a national playoff. Um, let's pick a national champion, but let's be realistic about it. And let's also be realistic about what non-varsity teams can do, what they want to be doing. Uh, and that's what uh, Bruce was telling us all about. Um, 
on the earlier part of the show. So Rugby Matrix America is brought to you by Eagle Impact Rugby Academy. I'm Alex Goff. Check out what I've got to write about on GoffRugbyReport.com. Uh, and thanks for listening to Rugby Matrix America. <laughs>